Hello, and welcome to Saving People, Queering Things, a Supernatural podcast. We were previously known as Driver Picks the Podcast, and the episode you're about to listen to was recorded under that name. Though our name has changed as of season three, our show hasn't changed that much. Our structure and theme-based discussions are the same, and we're so glad you're here. Now, let's get on the road. Hello, and welcome to Driver Picks the Podcast, the show where we talk about ghosts, road trips, and free will through every episode of the TV series Supernatural. Today, we will be discussing Season 1, Episode 12, Faith, through the theme of connection. And we are so excited to finally be at this episode. This is one of my top five of the whole show, and I know it's also a favorite of several of my hosts. So... Because it's such a favorite, we are doing a bit of a roundtable discussion today, and I have Sam, Hannah, and Rennie all with me today. Yay! Hello! Hello, this is Sam. Hi, I'm Rennie. Hi, and I'm Hannah. Thank you guys all for being here. So, we are going to start with our series recap, The Road So Far. When Mary Winchester died at the hands of a supernatural being in 1981, John Winchester took his two sons and began a life of hunting the thing that killed her, as well as any other evil thing he came across, from vampires to angry spirits. But now, in 2005, his youngest son, Sam, a Stanford student, has also lost the love of his life to the same monster that killed Mary. So Sam, along with his older brother, Dean, have been searching for John for over five months while he sends him increasingly cryptic messages and dodges any real-life meeting. In episode 11, John called the boys and revealed that the monster they've been hunting is a demon and that he's closing in on it, but that he wanted them to stay away. And so this prompts a blow-up fight between Sam and Dean, after which Sam goes to try and find John, and Dean heads off on a solo hunt. But when Sam can't get a hold of Dean, he returns in time to rescue Dean, and they continue on the road together. Sam tells Dean that you and me, that's all that's left. And that brings us to this episode and to our 30-second recap. <laughs> Cue the groaning from... Our favorite part. Multiple people. Uh, would anyone in particular like well, I'm to... I'm not see... the only one who's groaning about it. Oh, no, I don't like the Oh, that. yes, yeah. thank you. Okay. <laughs> this is the complainers over here. Yeah. I'm willing to go first if just because I think mine actually might be the lowest quality this week. Um, I've got my timer if you want. I'm like thinking it through and I, you know me, I don't think things through. I am ready to just wing it whenever. Then, yeah, three, two, one, go. We start with the boys fighting this sort of mysterious monster using uh, electrical forces. Uh, Dean electrocutes himself uh, by accident, ends up with serious heart damage that means he's going to die in the next month or so. Uh, Sam sort of reaches out to any odds and ends to save his brother and ends up taking him to a uh, tent revivalist healer in Nebraska. Uh, Dean is healed and then everything sort of goes south after when he doubts the healing and turns out his suspicions were correct. Okay, three, two, one, go. Okay, so Dean gets electrocuted and has a heart attack on a hunt, so he's dying. He's fine with it and making jokes, but Sam's not. Sam tracks down a random faith healer and brings Dean, who very reluctantly and awkwardly gets healed by the dude, but he's suspicious of him. He meets a pretty girl who has a lot of faith, which Dean doesn't. She's dying too. They figure out it's the pastor's wife using black magic to heal and kill with a reaper. 
She almost kills Dean, but Sam saves him and the Reaper kills her. Nice. Nice. Five seconds to spare. Yeah. Well done. That was good. Thanks. Okay. Okay. Three, two, one, go. So the big question of this episode is who deserves to be saved and why? Are there good and evil people? Do good people deserve to be saved? Do good people sometimes just die? And the framing for that question is in the form of this faith healer who is healing people, but at the cost of other people dying. And Dean undergoes this mortal danger and is healed, but and spends the rest of the episode kind of questioning whether or not he should have been the one that was saved. Um, okay, Sam. Three two one go okay so we start out by them hunting a random monster and dean gets electrocuted and then his heart is dying so they have to go and sam finds this random healer dude and then they go to this huge church where all these religious people are praying and this dude heals dean um of his damaged heart and then they realize that it's actually his wife and it's actually she's has summoned a reaper and that's it that's not it but (laughs) that was my time you got that it was a reaper and i don't know if anyone else actually mentioned did you mention it was reaper Yeah. yeah So before we begin discussing this episode, we do want to give a content warning. This episode deals with some significant themes around religion, and there um, could definitely be some aspects of religious trauma, and that will probably come into our discussion. So just be aware if that's something that you're sensitive to. We will be talking about that in this episode. Okay, so it is now time for us to discuss this episode through our chosen theme. And this week, our theme is connection. Can we start with the hoodie? <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. Go okay, for it. so the very first note I put is Dean and Sam's hoodie gets me every time. <laughs> well, because it's Sam's hoodie. It's like Sam's we know hoodie. it's Sam's hoodie, which means that Sam took it to the hospital, left it there, and then Dean wore uh, it back. Which I that piece I hadn't made that connection until today, but like it's like a way that I think cute. Sam showed that connection and care for Dean. So I was just going to use it as a way to talk about Sam kind of trying to take care of Dean and Dean rejecting him <laughs> throughout the episode, both physically, like in the tent when they're walking down, he's like, get off of me, man. Yeah. Um, makes me laugh. And then figuratively as well. Like, you know, he doesn't, he is. But he still wears the hoodie for like he still half wears the episode <laughs> until he's healed. It's a silent connection. Yeah. It's not an outward connection. <laughs> yeah. Um, I did kind of make the note that Dean um, seems more connected internally and sam's more connected externally in this episode just like i noticed the kind of dichotomy there of like i don't really know how to explain it but sam just seems more you know he's reaching outwards and he believes outwards in like god and he believes there's angels. like options yeah there's ways they can take yeah. dean um and dean doesn't believe in any of that but he believes in him like he trusts his gut and he says to oh. sam um yeah you need to have faith in me when he's doubting the the healer um I trust my gut with this and he turns out to be right so yeah just I don't know comparing them yeah that's a really interesting comparison um there's also um this is a really brief connection at the beginning of the episode you know with the sibling pair like supernatural loves to do this with sibling pairs and mirror them with sam and dean you know dean tells 
tells the kid like grab your sister's hand we're gonna get you out of here and then and then tells Sam to get them out of there and like there's that mirroring of their own experience as children we've already had another episode that's done this like this is the third time now in this show where siblings have been like ushered out of a dangerous situation and told and told to told that their connection with each other is what's going to, to rescue them is to say like stick together you're gonna get out of here together which obviously in this episode doesn't pan out for Sam and Dean because they don't both come out of there. Like they, mm-hmm. like Dean comes out, Dean, Dean comes out of there, like almost dead. Uh, Rennie had to leave a little bit early. So those were her contributions to this episode. And she gave us a few of her notes. So we're recording the rest of our theme discussion without her, unfortunately, but but we did end up getting to record our going meta segment and our blessing segment before she left. So you will see her again in that part of the episode. But if you don't notice her for the next bit of our theme discussion, that is why we are not. Um, yeah, <laughs> we're not, we are, mm, no, just gonna like leave it there. <laughs> yes. Okay, continuing on. Um, Obviously, another connection in this episode, and this is one that Rennie um, said, make sure you talk about, is the connection between Dean and Layla. Obviously, there's a bit of a mirroring between them of like Layla believes, but is also very settled about her experience and about like what's happening to her. And Dean doesn't believe, but also like very deeply connects with her and they have a number of conversations and in terms of connection, the sort of heft of the monster bit of the episode being that people's healing is literally connected to other people's death, um, right? And you and you sort of see that build up throughout the episode from a sort of vague, oh, like this person died and then this person lived to get closer and closer to the instant of the reaper's hand is on their face as pulling their life. And then it goes to right, whoever Roy thinks he's healing, um, but bringing that back to Layla and Dean, like, the moment, right, that Roy has his hand on Layla's face, and the Reaper has his hand on Dean's face, and you're watching the life be sucked out of Dean as Layla's waiting for it to go into her, like, this very literal connection across, yeah, like, mm-hmm. yeah, and this, which is so interestingly mirrored in the fact that, like, Layla, I think, believed that, like, believed that either she would be healed and that if she was healed, that that would just be a good thing. And Dean didn't believe, didn't go in believing he was healed, but the actual opposite ends up happening is where Dean is healed despite his lack of faith. And Layla is not healed despite her actual faith, which is, you know, obviously at the end of the episode, she says, you know, um, you know if you're gonna have faith you can't just have it when the miracles happen you've got to have it when they don't kind of I think illustrates her perspective on faith so this episode is and I'd forgotten not forgotten but like this episode deals with a lot of really religious themes and it's one of the first episodes that really does we've gotten we've had a bit of that in a couple of previous episodes but not in this particular way this episode is obviously called faith um there is a ton of concepts of like salvation 
not in the sense of like salvation from sins, but in the sense of like the salvation of your like body from death and from the reaper, from, you know, illness um, and this sense of like belief being tied to um, being saved or getting healed. Um, Obviously that's said in the context of like a very like revivalist sort of scene the big white tents the like people you know murmuring and singing and interacting um and praying and like the I noticed this theme with a lot of like the physical like hands where you get a lot you get raised you get raised hands you get praying you get Roy's hand you get the laying on of hands like all of these are such overtly religious specifically like very christian traditional christian um symbolism in this episode around around theme and this is also an episode that talks like very distinctly says you know the lord uses the lord and god a lot but uses the lord quite significantly um as when they're talking about an all-powerful being when they're talking about like who determines who lives and who dies who determines who deserves to live and die um the faith healer Roy and Sue Ann both attribute that to like the Lord and that's an interesting connection here can I can I I don't push it direction we don't need to go can I actually connect it back to a prior episode yes please do so I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna push a connection and connect it back to uh when Abigail and I talked about Hookman episode because I think that was also the other like most overtly religious episode so far in the show and we talked a lot about how it was about Sam Mm -hmm. and Sam in this very like settled traditional church right and it was so settled and traditional that the monster right the hook man was sort of this like a past like a priest who had been there um like a century prior and was still a part of the area and the lore um and sam going through this sort of journey of um it's okay to have emotions that conflict with what you're supposed to be and who you're supposed to be and that doesn't mean it's your fault when bad things happen and his sort of connection to a woman in that episode is like comforting her through those very same problems and we talked a lot about how that like reflects Sam and reflects his emotions over Jess and over um his like connection to the hunting world and I think faith is so powerful because it it reflects it feels like a sister episode to that very much in my heart because it's focusing on Dean Mm -hmm. and in contrast to this very settled traditional church you have right we talked about literally the mud of a a shoddily put up tent in this person's yard right they they talk about people like oh I've been to all six times that he's healed people like this is fairly new this is thrown up this is calling back to revivalist era Americana um and the whole arc is not about it's not about um Sam's conflict of is it okay that I don't feel like I fit? Is it okay that I don't feel like I'm doing the role that I'm supposed to be doing? It's Dean's um, struggle of, do do I deserve to live? 
essentially mm -hmm. and wrestling with this morality of what his living cost other people and if he gets to decide who lives and who dies and the idea that there's like no value neutral choice in this if he does something someone will die if he doesn't do something someone will die um and he has like stakes in who lives and who dies he clearly wants Layla to live he he right he resists being healed mm -hmm. Roy uses him in multiple times he's like no 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 not me you don't want me I'm not a believer you should pick someone else even though that's the reason Sam brought him um and I don't like I don't want to just compare those two episodes but I think that's a really powerful mm -hmm. connection and the sort of mirroring of how the two brothers approach God and faith and I think Renny hit it really on the head when she was talking about Sam's externalized connection to faith and Dean's internalized connection and the difference in sort of like this like the hook man's community like they all go to church and they all know this pastor this priest I cannot remember which one um they all know this like religious leader and they all know this church and they've all been here for generations versus faith and it's very transient it is very Right, I don't, I think Sam says in describing Sue Ann, he's like, she's evil. And Dean goes, she's desperate. Right, and that's the sort of like, Sam is trying to make these big, like, moral black and white decisions. And yeah. Dean is literally in a gray hoodie and a very gray saturated episode in the rain. Like, this is not, you can't even begin with morality in this other than people are desperate for healing. Yeah. You know, like also their perception of each other, like, like Dean says, apparently my brother believes enough for the most of us, for the both of us. Like Dean knows he doesn't believe and he knows the reason, like the reason he states for why he doesn't believe. Cause Sam says, you know, if you know, evil's out there. So again, that with Sam like externalizing these concepts of good and evil, you know, he says, if you know evil out there, how can you like not believe there's also not good out there too? And Dean says, like, because I know what evil does to good people, which again is that internalized, like, I know, like Sam is talking about, you know, externally, can we label people as good or evil? Can we, can we say there's a, a good, there are good powers and evil powers? And Dean's like, well, but like, what about the fact that like evil turns good people sometimes? Um, and you know, obviously that's true in their line of work. They've seen a lot of people who have been corrupted by various things. Um, I also think about, um, I wonder about the reference to that in terms of their father, because, you know, Dean has some memories of John before Mary's death and of him as a loving father, but everything we've learned about John after that evil happened to Mary is that John, you know, lost, I think, a lot of his ability to be kind and good and gentle with his sons. And, you know, Dean has this really intimate experience of like, I don't trust even the good in people because mm. evil, you know, evil gets its roots in there. And, and that, and then, which I think also ties to his, his, the connects to his perception of himself as, you know, like, why don't save me like why do I deserve to be saved 
you know, out. Yeah. And I think that's also kind of like, that's always a theme with, with Dean. And I mean, both brothers really Mm -hmm. is whenever they have that choice of who lives and who dies, they'd always rather themselves. But I mean, most of the time they'd always rather themselves. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. They're willing to sacrifice themselves because I think especially Dean and this kind of is a theme with Dean is he never really believes that he is worth living. Like if it's comes down to someone else, he's always kind of like, well, I'm worse. And, and that make in this episode, like they, you know, after Dean's healed, they realize they can't undo it. But Dean is like, I didn't deserve that. And the person yeah. who died in my place didn't deserve that. And they are dead set on stopping any more healings until the moment it's Layla. Mm-hmm. And then Dean goes, okay. And until the moment it's Layla and Dean and Dean realizes, because the moment with the Reaper and Dean, Dean clearly like looks it in the eyes, realizes what's happening, realizes he's the target and goes, I'm okay with that. Yeah, he, he, doesn't, doesn't, struggle, he doesn't struggle at all. He does not run, does not no. struggle. That struck me so hard. I don't think I've never like really sat with that before this viewing. And that that hit me so hard. He saw the Reaper and he knew, he knew it was his life for Layla's. And he was- And he was like, that's- If they hadn't done anything, Dean would have just rolled with it. Yeah. And I think that's the, I think that was the thing is I think he knew that like, he was like, if this is how I go out and then Sam stops the Reaper afterwards, like good enough. Mm. um because again he doesn't like and like he said like he doesn't blame sam for the fact that sam brought him this healer like when dean is angry about that he says you know someone else is dead because of me he again internalizes this thing and goes you know like the reason this now there's this other person that's died is my fault so that if i can rectify that if i can make that right that's what that's what should happen Mm. so i want to put this in a little bit of a spoiler capsule because there Mm -hmm. were two or three quotes that really I think we need to talk about in the context of some later stuff so spoiler alert if you have not seen season four um and five and you don't want to get spoiled for some key stuff uh pause for the next or skip ahead the next like three minutes or so probably um so we're going to talk a little bit about Cass because there were like three or four quotes where I was like, this is almost a direct, this will get said again to Dean by someone. So when Layla's mom says to Dean, why do you deserve to live more than my daughter? I immediately thought of the line that Cass says to Dean after Dean has also almost died and says, you know, you don't think you deserved to be saved. Mm. And like this episode is the first time Dean really identifies that he doesn't think he deserves to be yeah. saved. Well, that's kind of what I was trying to get at before. Mm-hmm. I was saying that like, whenever it's like someone else or him, yeah. he's kind of, he, yeah, he never really thinks that he deserves or that he's good enough to be saved over someone else. Yeah. And I just think that's really interesting um, to tie that to Cass, Cass specifically. Um, there's also uh, a point, um, let me find the, the line here. Um, oh yes, so they have a, when Dean has a conversation with Roy and Sue Ann about miracles and they do, you know, 
they, you know, Sue Ann is talking about miracles, miracles do exist and Dean's very skeptical of them. And I was thinking about the, the line again later on with Cass where Cass says miracles do happen, Dean. And Dean says, not to me, like not to us. Mm. Um, Interesting. That, so that like, la- that like skepticism around miracles, particularly when they come to himself is going to be something that's going to be retained. And I think it's really interesting as Cass, like specifically Cass is this angel that Dean is skeptical of even believing in his existence. And then is skeptical about whether or not Cass is one of the good guys. And Cass has this ability to see Dean's skepticism and like identify it for what it is and go like, it's not that you don't think miracles happen is that you don't think they happen to you. Mm. And it's not that you don't think God exists. It's that you don't think like you deserve to be saved. Mm. And I think that that's, that's so good too, because I think Cass is the first miracle that keeps coming back for Dean. Yep. (laughs) Right. Like you and I were texting during this episode about like how heartbreaking it is to look at this this man who fundamentally does not right like we've just been saying fundamentally does not believe that he deserves a miracle that he does not deserve like goodness that he is willing to like that he doesn't deserve to be saved mm-hmm. um and then it's his suspicion is verified he's like there's no way that I deserve this and then there, and then there's, you know, those two parts that we can kind of pull at it. And the first is that he didn't like someone else died so he could live. Like he was yeah. right. There's a monstrous element to this. And the second one is one that we both like we all I think wrote down is um Roy tells him. Yeah. He's like, why? He's like, well, there's, you know, you still haven't essentially he's like, you still have a job to do. He's like, you young man with a good purpose, a job to do, and it isn't finished. And it isn't finished. Like, again, I know that you've been really good at talking about how we're building up John Winchester without having met him yet, but the Dean is like, I don't deserve to be saved, but I was. Why me? And there's an opportunity opportunity for it to be because you're worth saving or because everyone deserves to live and this man looks him dead in his face and tells him what he's been hearing his whole life which is mm, you, have uh, a job. you have a job the work the hunt this isn't done like, and it's hitting it we know oh. those of us in the show right are like ah I'm sure there are the bigger themes at play here in retrospect this is a really powerful line but in the moment all we hear is well the hunt is, back to work yeah is that you've got a job to do you've got to hunt down the thing that killed your mom you've yeah. got to protect sam you've got to do the job it's not about his like worth or himself really at all and that's not where roy says at all no. he doesn't say he says i looked into your heart and you stood out because you had an important purpose yeah and which it kind of leads to another thing that i wanted to to see is like again in with retrospect knowing what we know about God in this universe. And again, this is continuing spoilers. um, It's very sinister. The way that Roy talks about like God in this episode, because it's very much, it's very, it is very transactional. It is very like, 
this miracle is happening to you because God has a plan for you, but God's plan is not necessarily like, you know, a good plan for you. It's just the fact that it's God's plan and you should, you got to get on board with it. Um, you know, it, and and Deanie, like Sam says to Dean, you know, you said it yourself, Dean, you can't play God. Um, and which is such an interesting parallel when we think about the fact that like in the universe of Supernatural, when we get to the later seasons, God has been playing them. Like God has been playing them like chess pieces and, you know, everything that's happening is God's will, but God is not the good being in this scenario. Anyway, that's the end of our spoiler section. There's one other line we, Sam pointed out that we want to talk about again briefly is, and that's the line, um, may God save us from half the people who think they're doing God's work. I just agreed with that in general in life. <laughs> it's a good line. It's a good line. Um, yeah, I don't really have anything else to say to that. I just thought it was a good line. Yeah, I think it is. It's like, well, and it's that whole idea and it comes up again and again in the show of like, of like, you can mm. say something is a good thing or God's will, but that doesn't make it bad. Yeah. More spoilers. That also <laughs> comes in like hugely with the angels and hugely in later seasons where lots of people are thinking that they're doing God's work. Yeah, but the angels, not. they must be doing God's, yeah. they must be God's yeah. doing God's well. Well, and they, and the angels think they're doing God's yeah. well. Even Cass sometimes makes certain choices because mm -hmm. like, well, that's, that's what God wants. Mm -hmm. And they're actually causing lots of harm. Yeah. And there's the whole like, yeah, may, you know, mm -hmm. if, if you think you're doing God's work, but you're actually hurting people, is it, can you possibly actually be doing God's work? And that's yeah. the, that's the implication of that quote. Yeah. <sighs> And that's what the boys, I think, have a grasp of is they, you know, they are actually drawing the lines of like good and evil along like who's getting hurt, who mm. didn't ask to get hurt and is getting hurt, who didn't make a choice and is mm. getting punished, who is dying when they didn't deserve it because, you know, you, Layla doesn't deserve this brain tumor that she has, this random runner didn't deserve to suddenly have a heart attack and die, like, and they seem to, like, Sam and Dean seem to be looking along the lines of, like, the harm caused when they figure out the good and evil thing. And that's where they determine, like, Roy, that's why they say Roy, even though Roy is at the center of all of this, they don't call Roy, once they realize he's not the one controlling it and he's not made any choice and he is actually entirely genuine in his faith, they are not, they do not think he's evil. They no. think he's actually, they all recognize that he's also actually a victim and that this is also going to be, you know, he's, believing in something that's going to disappoint him and he doesn't deserve that either but it's really interesting to me how they Sam and Dean that's how they determine the morality piece and the good and evil piece is not along the intentions but along the results mm, yeah I love that it's true I think that hits like two really interesting points for me the first that I want to go back to again that even when they realize it's Sue Ann and Sam is like, she's evil. Dean again is like, she's desperate. Mm. Right? Yeah. Like, evil, desperate is the, like the exact exchange. And Yeah, that even when um, people do harm, 
sometimes the reason is because yeah they're because they feel like there's no other choice and Sam right. is in that exact position where Sam also I think would have been willing to do almost anything yes willing to yes. because he was also feeling desperate yeah. right he brought there yeah like and I love that you pointed out right that Dean never blames him for it no mm-hmm. um which is so uh really gets me um I think it also calls it interesting because I don't think, and correct me if I'm wrong, we never actually find out how they're picking the people to heal. No, yeah, we don't. Never no, explain. Don't. Either, yeah, not the healing. The people that they're, they're that are the dying is picking. Right. But you know, I, people that die. But Roy, every time is like, God picks the person to be saved. God picks the person. It is never explained if Sue Ann is whispering in his ear, if the Reaper has some sort of thing, or if Roy 100% is in connection with God in this universe and God is speaking. And there's this. Right. Is there actually forces at play that is the reason Dean is chosen or is it entirely random? And like, but it, you know, it's actually a lot more interesting to think about it in the sense that it's not random. Yeah. And I think that's so in terms of like the morality and the way the boys approach oh, it. Yeah. Right in this universe that is enmeshed. I love the, the Eric Kripke quote that you pull um, sort of that, right? When we're talking in our in our wrap up. Um, and I'll just re- like really briefly reference it that he's saying this is sort of the episode where they realized this is what the show was capable of, was exploring a lot of these moral and metaphysical questions. Um, and I'll let, I'll leave that quote for you at the end. I think it's a great, a great tie-in. Um, but we really start to see the show explore that and explore all the different ways that people approach religion and morality and these monsters and fundamental concepts of good and evil and how the brothers approach it differently um, from each other, but also how they approach it in relation to each other. Mm-hmm. And so for that to be like, all of this and the biggest unanswered question in the episode is who was picking, who was healed. Yeah. yeah. It's, I think that's, and I think not having that question answered actually is, I'm quite actually kind of glad it's not answered because I think it allows for us to have that exploration um, and allows us to have those, to have those different interpretations of, of who was being picked and why and who's doing the picking. Um, and yeah, I think it, I mean, yeah, I really love what that's doing in this episode. Um, and even, you know, nope. Don't have it, don't have anything else. Um, really is also good it's like, really hours. sorry we could talk about this for hours we really could yeah this is a, a such a good episode mm-hmm. I just want to mention in general like um I just really appreciated all the emotions of this episode and I appreciated that we like got to see more of Dean's development mm-hmm. um but we also still got that Sam Pete because Sam is my name twin and my favorite 
<laughs> I'm always kind of paying a little <laughs> bit more attention to Sam, which is good. good. Um, and just seeing like his emotion of, especially because this is the first time that like one of the brothers has come close to death. Yeah. And, and he's just lost Jess. Like yeah. thinking about that in context of like, he lost his mom as a child. He just lost Jess. And now he has an opportunity. Like, and with I, both of those situations, he had no chance to save them. Yeah. This time he has a chance to save yeah. someone. And he's so desperate. Yeah. He would have done anything. He would have done anything. And even that's what like he says to Dean when Dean's like, just let me die or so. I can't remember. The yeah. When Dean doesn't want is. to try other options. Yeah. And see, he says something like, there's nothing you can do. And Sam says something like, watch me. I, and, and he, yeah. I don't think D- Sam cared about the consequences. Like, I think, no. I think, you I know, think afterwards he felt, oh yeah, there was that moment where he discovered what was actually happening and he felt awful and yeah, there was a lot of emotions sure. over that but I don't know if he would have done anything differently to be honest actually I think that's a really interesting point because I think I agree I don't think he would have I think Sam so might have risked it I think Sam might have risked well and I think honestly like Sam is incredibly smart and we also know in this universe that things don't usually happen without like a reason or mm-hmm. there's like things don't like I think Sam really desperately wants to believe that there's no strings attached to this healing, but I also think that Sam's smart enough to know that that's not likely true, but that he was willing to risk it anyway, that he was willing to go to this faith healer knowing that there might've been a catch and that Dean was kept saying, there's a catch, there's going to be a catch, but I don't think that would have changed Sam's mind. I think Sam was willing to risk it Mm -hmm. and a little bit of tell with the consequences not to say that he doesn't care about the consequences but just to say that like his priority in that moment and his desperation and that's going to be a theme his desperation definitely clouded some of that where he kind of went a little bit like I don't care what it takes and he takes charge too he like is he drags Dean along kind of goes like you don't have a choice like watch me I'm mm-hmm. going to fix this. And he says that to John too, like on the phone, like we also see that both desperation and also his sort of internal faith in himself and his, and his like lack of faith in John, where he says to John, he says, you know, Dean's really sick. Doctors don't think they can do anything. Like, and then he immediately goes to like, I'm going to fix it. Like he, yeah. he doesn't have any faith that John is going to show up and be able to do anything. He is sort of subconsciously and like subtly asking John to show up and John obviously doesn't but he does but Sam seems to like I think know that in a way that when Dean called John in in home and asked for John to show up Dean I think hoped like it's an interesting lack like it's interesting what they have faith in because I think Sam has no faith in John Mm -hmm. at all Dean really wants to have faith in John yeah. but it's being dashed against the rocks over and over in this episode. And then in this episode, we get, you know, Dean revealing that he doesn't actually have really faith in much of anything. Mm-hmm. I do think it's, I love that you love Sam. I have too much um, eldest sibling brain rot to not buy into Dean, I think. Um, just fundamentally, I, re- I was rewatching the show and I was like, no, I'm ready to be equal. I'm ready to equal it out. And Dean does anything, and I'm like, yeah, that's what I would do. That's fair. Like Abigail has one hundred percent the same problem. This is I have to be really. This is why it's good 
that in the plurality of co-hosts here, we have people focusing on different characters and their motivations because um, I will always have a bit more of a read on Dean and be like, oh yes, I understand that motivation or I can suss out what's probably happening there. And Sam can pull in the, the Sam of it all. Yeah. Um, and which is also part of the reason that when we get to our blessings, I'm pretty much, I've been blessing Sam quite a lot. And that trend <laughs> may continue because it's a part of, for me, a way of making sure that I like <laughs> pay attention and see his storyline unfolding, which I'm really enjoying about this particular rewatch is seeing more of that. But yeah, eldest sibling brain rot is still very much a thing. <laughs> it's so deep. Um, I'm glad that we have a, a literal Sam. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, and a second child. And we have a second and, child. You know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I know. I know. I know one of my siblings definitely counts as my Sam. And I'm like, ooh, if you were into Supernatural at all. <laughs> um, no, but I think it's, I think one of the sweetest moments in the episode is um, that I, oh my God, it makes me so emotional and write this whole push that Sam really does. He's like, I will do anything, whatever it takes to yeah. figure this out with Dean is what we're doing. Um, and he gets him there, right? And he's like, we're sitting at the front. You're taking the aisle seat. Like Sam knows how this works. I am doing anything and everything to make sure you are in the path of like potential healing. And then Dean short healed. Of, yeah, he does everything short of literally dragging Dean onto the stage. Um. Right. Right, he is, he is like this close to pushing Dean up there himself. Um, and Dean is healed and you, there's like not even a moment for Sam to rejoice. And I think there's this scene right after, right where they confront each other and you can see the like relief plastered all over every inch of Sam's face. Mm. And then Dean, Dean is like, that was, that felt weird and I you know I should not I should not have gotten healed and you just watch and my bet right my reading of the show is that Sam doesn't even process that sure there might be a monster here like he is not there yet he is not thought about that he is blocking that out entirely 100 percent 100 it doesn't matter unless Dean's okay it doesn't matter you can deal with the monster after Dean's okay correct but in that moment as Dean is like blah 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 like uh, resisting right you you watch Sam know that Dean doesn't think he's worthy of saving like the same point that Sam in the podcast brought up earlier and I think I love that you brought that up because I think that's the exact thing that Sam knows about Dean and there's the same way that there's no moment for his celebration of Dean living there's also he takes no moment to like to really battle that he just has yeah. a private little moment where he's like yep and this is exactly what I expected yeah. this is this is Dean okay sure Dean yeah, yeah. there's no way you could have just been saved he's like fine then, you're you know, right but I'm gonna I, like I don't care I'm still gonna drag yeah. the ass out of this situation and it, it's so good because I know the episode itself is so focused on Dean that like we go with his narrative but that's such a sweet moment of Sam knowing his brother inside and out yeah, and like taking victory for himself. Yeah. Oh, such good. And it's so good for their development at this point in the season. This is like, yeah, this really solidifies that they are each other's ride or die. 
at this point um that really the story is not just revolving around them finding their father but really around their um commitment to each other as brothers and as siblings and as like hunters together like that that's what you know it doesn't really matter what happens with every with the monsters um it matters what happens with them and I think this episode has really like locked that in now that that's that's the core of the show I think that's probably all I think that's all we got I mean we could a lot we could talk about this episode forever this is going to be a long one folks but we are now going to move into our next segment okay so next we're going to move into a segment that we are calling going meta so this is where we talk about some of the lore of the show and we track things like character deaths and the Bechdel test and we talk about pop culture and some other things so first off significant deaths no, but close. <laughs> Dean almost dies twice in this episode. <laughs> yes. Yes. And it's the first time that without intervention, he definitely would have died. Yes. I don't know if this is a spoiler or not, but like first time one of the brothers has almost died and it's the first of many, 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 many. Yeah. Yes. Almost times where one of the brothers has to go and save the other. Yes. Yes. This is going to be a recurring theme. Yes. Number two is the Bechdel test. Does this episode pass? Does it? I was. Oh, yes. Yes. Kind of. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I think yes. Because the, the, the. Barely. Yeah. Because mom and Layla are talking to each other at one point. Yeah. And then also pastor's wife and Layla. Yeah, yeah Sue Ann and Layla. Yeah, Sue Ann and I Layla. I don't know if Sue Ann and Layla passes because they're talking about Roy. Oh, are they talking she, about Roy? The whole mom passes because they talk about the brain tumor. Yeah. Right, right. But, aren't but they they're talking, talking to, to Dean. Dean. Ooh. <laughs> but I think, I'm pretty sure, I think with the Bechdel test, it still passes if they're talking to each other and they're not talking about like I think there can right. be a Dean's just a part of the conversation we've had this conversation in a couple of episodes that are like shaky passing I'm not sure <laughs> if it it's a half pass yeah we'll it 50 percent yeah there is actually you know three significant named female characters in this episode yeah. which is great there's only other than the boys there's only one significant male Do you know mom's name Mrs. Rourke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if we get a first name. I can't remember. Miles. And I'm not, not going to look it up. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't care. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I think 50% passing is only fair. Yeah. So next is our lore check. This episode has a lot of lore stuff in it. This is the first occurrence we have of like some form of a faith healer um usually you know spoiler alert usually faith healers and supernatural are not actually good they're usually channeling something using something to to do healing and usually it ends up badly but this is the first time that we've got a faith healer or someone claiming to be a faith healer okay this is also the um first time that is it the first time yeah first time that reapers are um mentioned and that's kind of and appear and appear yeah we actually see a reaper for the first time 
um, which is kind of like the um, bringers of death or the collectors of death, I guess. Yeah, and in this episode, they clearly, like Dean is the one that identifies without really any doing any research, Dean identifies that it must be a reaper. Mm -hmm. um, but they don't seem, they don't give a clear answer in the episode of whether or not there are multiple reapers or there is yeah, they just don't, a reaper. They do because um, they're talk because they talk about the Grim Reaper and then Dean or Sam yeah. says it's not the Grim Re Reaper, it's a reaper. Oh, okay, they do. Okay. Right. Yeah. Like Dean is distant that it is a reaper, not the reaper. Right. So there seems to be some distinguishing, which when we get further into the lore, there is a distinguishing between yeah. like reapers and like the reapers have a head. Yeah. <laughs> have a yes. Gr um, a grand grim reaper, basically. Also a grim. <laughs> it's not called that later on, but we no. we do have a character that they can have fix a that bill. Master. Yeah. Of. Someone controlling their moves. They never look like they do in this episode after this. They just, mm. yeah, that's true. They look like normal humans the rest of the show. But in this episode, he looks creepy. Oh, yeah. yeah I'm true. trying to remember if they establish that wrong, why, why that is. I'm trying to remember the next time we meet a Reaper, if they establish that they do that intentionally. They do. They I, feel like I can tell you exactly when it is, but I won't. Oh, no, actually, I do. No, I actually, no, it's, it's not true. I do know when it is. I just can't remember. She does say. She does say. Yeah. Nice. She's like, I'm taking this form so it's easier for you to talk to me. Ah, okay. All right. Which I makes sense that. then in this episode why the Reaper doesn't, because the Reaper has no, is not trying to talk to humans. The Reaper There's, is just, yeah, so I wonder if like Reapers, more, when they're appearing to you because you're dying, are well, less- I, There has to be something about the like being bound aspect as well. I was just going to say that like, mm. he's not, there's no discussion happening because he's being commanded to do this. Like, which is why mm. they're seeing him too. Cause like, yeah. we don't have in the show, there's not like a lore that like everyone sees a reaper when they die. No. Right. Well, and I, I think is it's interesting. Kind of? Is there kind of? As soon as he's released, right? Like he goes after Sue Ann and Sam indicates like no concern about the reaper beyond that. He's like, I, yeah, I freed him. Anyway, the reaper's going to go back to doing what a reaper does, I guess. Anyway. Yeah. Right? Like Sue Ann, like concern they had. Yeah, re the Reaper is not, they don't consider the Reaper to be a monster. The mon the Reaper is just like a natural, right. like a a being that's essential to the way the world works, which includes death. Yeah, they never want to kill the Reaper. It's never about getting the Reaper. It's about getting the one who's controlling It's about the unbinding the Reaper so yeah. the Reaper can do what he's yeah. supposed to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right? Like he kills Sam in front of Sam and Sam doesn't bat an eye. It's, yeah, it's yeah. also that's also quite the scene. I mean, she did just lock him in a like cellar dungeon. <laughs> she she did just like try to kill his brother. Try to kill a lot of people. Yeah, a lot of people. Well, and there's sort of it's sort of implied that the reason that the Reaper goes after her is is to kind of finish the cycle, like finish what was stopped when she bound him yeah. and kept Royal. There, just, interesting. There was no sort of like concern about what the Reaper would do next in his eyes. No. Like, and now. Reaper on the rampage who's like and he he got his fair like justice and that's that that is the There's end this of this weird trust in like the mechanics of death that they have yes where they're Ooh, like yeah. they trust that the reaper has it right that the reaper on his own is going to do what's just they don't trust the humans to like make those decisions mm. but they seem to trust the reaper which is well, and don't they play, don't they play, I think the song that they play at one point is actually Don't Fear the Reaper. 
Cool. Which is super interesting. Yeah. Hatch. I yeah. I didn't notice that. I'm pretty sure in, in one Have of the notes. Yeah. Uh, and the the last piece of lore that we sort of have tucked in this episode is the introduction, right, of using tarot decks, um, which I thought was really interesting. If just because I've had a lot of conversations recently with people who who either have just recently gotten interested in tarot, or like I'm friends with somebody who's a professional tarot reader, um, and talking about the recent surgence of tarot during the pandemic, oh. and the sort of like people connecting to like spiritual and mystical practices um, on an individual nature sort of as we've all been to different differing levels like in isolation or cut off from society as it was um, so like seeing this crop up in the world if so it was super interesting for me cool yeah and this is going to be we're going to see tarot cards kind of recurrent but not super consistently we're actually going to see I think more tarot cards towards the end of the show than in the first few seasons but it's obviously another piece of their kind of research bag of tricks that they have <laughs> they have a lot of resources and this is one of them um, next is locations this episode is set in ford city nebraska apparently random which they don't actually i don't know i think they maybe show in a couple of shots i don't remember them explicitly saying it but when i looked it up on a couple of the wiki sites that kind of track these things it says ford city nebraska is technically where they are um in terms of the filming it's filmed in a few different places it's filmed at the burnaby hospital the hospital scenes and then some kind of unknown i mean it's just a muddy field it could be really anywhere. Yeah. But we did note the Vancouver rain. <laughs> that does not, that is clear, like that is clearly not part of the script. Stage, and it's not stage rain. It's not fake rain. It's clearly actually just <laughs> kind of bucketing. Yeah, which you notice, I notice that a lot in this show. It's just like casually raining and they're acting like it's not. Because <laughs> it rained so damn much in Vancouver. Yeah. yeah. They had to write themselves into, which might also explain why they spend more time in like, locations in the states where it rains more and a lot of the episodes have more like fall winter vibes like they don't go to the deep south very often or to like california places where it's like really warm because yeah. they don't shoot in the summer they can't. <laughs> yeah also vancouver doesn't really have much in the summer yeah. um next is pop culture so i have a couple of notes in here i don't want to see you so one note I will point out and then I'll leave the others for the other you guys. So uh, Eric Kripke, the creator of the show, actually cited this as his favorite episode of the show. I don't know if that's, a, I don't know when this quote is exactly from, but this was an episode that he cited as his favorite saying, you know, it's, this is a quote from him. He said, it's when I first realized what the show was capable of. Here's this episode about, is there a God? What's meant to be? Is there free will? And is your life worth the cost of someone else's life? It's a metaphysical and moral study of the boys' universe. There's so many different places the show can go and so many tones. That's been really fun to do, which I think is really cool because like, yeah, like he said, like this is one of the show's first explorations really of free will and morality and um, deserving and of like good and evil. And like 
in our theme discussion, we obviously talked quite a bit about this concept of like deserving because that word literally comes up like five or six times in dialogue. Um, yeah, and I also feel like I'm in good company with Kripke saying that this is one of, this is his favorite episode because this is one of my favorite episodes. Yeah, same. <laughs> it feels vindicating. It does. <laughs> Sorry, we have to leave it. No, it's okay. Oh yeah, okay, that's funny. Yeah. Um, so in the very beginning of the episode, Dean's in the hospital and he says to Sam, have you ever watched daytime TV? It's terrible. Which Abigail turned to me and said, Dean's watched a lot of daytime TV, raising Sam on his own in hotel rooms, which is a great point. But also um, the line is funny because Jensen's first major gig was on a daytime soap opera, Days of Our Lives for a few years. And they do make fun of him for that a few times throughout yeah. Supernatural. <laughs> they subtly bring it up. It's very fun. Yeah. There's also a the scene between Dean and Reverend Roy where Dean says, you know, no disrespect, but I'm not exactly a believer. And the Reverend says, you will be, son, you will be. And one of the notes that I saw on one of the wikis that I was looking at pointed out the fact that this is a kind of a play on the scene between Yoda and Luke in Empire Strikes Back, where Luke says, I'm not afraid. And Yoda says, you will be, you will be. Um, which is also really interesting when you think of like the themes in this episode of God's got plans for you. Your work is not finished yet. You don't know the future, but like, this is going to happen. I'm not a believer, but you know, you will be a believer one day, which is just really interesting in terms of Dean's character arc. And obviously we talked a whole bunch about that in our theme discussion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Spoiler alert. <laughs> that is a lot of foreshadowing. Yeah. yeah. Um, next is uh, Gadar. So any references to any references to to anything connected to that the like um news article about the like openly gay teacher that like is one of the people that the pastor's wife targets yeah that was just kind of gross yeah um not surprising given that the ultra religious kind of tone of the faith healer and of of Sue Ann particularly of like her imposing her morality on other people and Sam even says that in the episode talks about how she's using the reaper to like impose her own morality but the two things that are of the two things that specifically they know she's targeted one of them was an openly gay teacher um yeah yeah like it was an article that was a positive article, mm-hmm. but obviously it's being used in this negative light because of her own beliefs. Yeah. Was there anything else in this episode um, around uh, sexuality or gender that any of you found interesting? I have one. It's sort of a, I don't think it's a clear sexual reach but I think that the when we talk so much about toxic masculinity or about how masculinity is constructed in the show and especially I think like emphasized in the character of Dean I think there's something really interesting about him the roles he plays really early on in this episode 
both originally right the protector um as like covering sam's back as sam takes these kids to safety but then he gets sort of right like destroyed and is dying right sort of the damsel in distress uh, of the episode um but very very specifically when they go to the revivalist meeting and i'm saying revivalist because it's literally a tent meeting and that's sort of the lord's calling on um but um just very specifically the image of dean unbelieving on a stage suddenly and really uncomfortably being touched by a man and then like falling to his knees yeah. and then collapsing um was a really I don't know you take one like how to analyze a horror film class and suddenly you're like sexuality is actually baked in everything um but that that's a, like a really charged position uh religiously and sexually and it's one that Dean clearly did not expect um and so just like that position of intimacy and vulnerability in that moment especially I think with all the other things that we sort of pull out of it really really struck me as something that was like the antithesis of this masculine he's constructed and I just thought that was really interesting yeah thanks Thank you for bringing that. That's, I was trying to, I, I had the same note with that scene, but you were able to put that into words as to why that struck me as super significant and connected. So thank you for that. Got you. Powerful. So, I, I felt that. Um, one other thing I want to point out, kind of pop culture related, but also uh, just because I thought it was kind of cool um, on a couple of the wikis that I look at for these episodes before we record, uh, they mentioned what the international titles of these episodes end up being. And usually they're similar to the actual episode titles. But so in this episode, this episode is called Faith. Um, in Hungarian, it's actually called In the Grasps of Evil, which I just thought was kind of cool. Wow. And in several other languages, it's either called Healer or Faith Healer. Hmm. In the Grasps of Evil. Which a whole other title. Also, in the wow. Grasps of Evil, um, like one that. thing I noticed that just a ton in this episode is all of the, which we talked about a little bit in the theme, but is just all of the like shots of like people's hands and of like grasping and grabbing and pulling and pushing. And like, there's so much like symbolism going on with yeah. hand movement in this episode, which. And is, just the fact that like, Suan has a grasp on the Reaper and controlling him. And, mm -hmm. like, and even just a physical grasp on the, the necklace that's right. how, that's how like containing the source of all this power. Uh -huh. So interesting international title. Cool. So we have one more segment and today that segment is blessings. So in this segment, we take a page from Harry Potter and the sacred text, as well as the tradition in a lot of uh, religious communities to bless people and we're going to bless a character each for any reason we might want to um so i abigail knows this but i have the world's biggest crush on julie benz um the actress who plays layla in this episode <laughs> um i i first loved her when she played darla in angel the series um but I, I will absolutely go first. I would love to snag 
blessing Layla. I think <clears throat> I think she's played with such sort of um, what's the word? I think she's played with such uh, relentless tenderness and earnestness. And right, it's very apparent in this episode that Dean really wishes he could have saved her in some way. And we as the audience, we're all constructed to feel this sympathy and care for this character. Um, but I am, I am sold into that head over heels. And I really want to walk away from this episode blessing her um, and her journey. And I don't mean that in that I hope she like miraculously recovers from her brain tumor. I, that's not the sort of thing that I like ascribe to, but very much the, the blessing of what that walk looks like and her sort of, her faith, right? That she holds in the good times and the bad with the miracles and without them. Uh, and so I hope that she, yeah, I bless her moving out of this. Beautiful. Yeah, that's very good. I was hoping someone would bless Layla. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You want to go first? <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to keep with my tradition of uh, blessing Sam uh, again in this episode because um, obviously this episode is very focused on Dean's emotional journey and the vulnerability and piece. Of, um, but this also gives Sam this opportunity to be a caretaker and to be relentlessly pursuing his brother's salvation and he really does that like he and this is right after like Sam left and came back like he is he has very clearly turned this corner where he is now choosing his brother above like everything else in his life and um just the care he shows when Dean's in trouble the care he shows when he's in the hospital when he comes home the physical care of like supporting Dean like kind of mirroring the emotional care of supporting Dean like he recognizes that the front Dean is putting on of being okay is fake and he calls him on it and he but like very very gently and I think just like um you really see Sam's soft side here in a way we haven't really seen it till this point because he's been so angry and so distraught over everything. And I love that we get to see that. And I wanted to bless Sam for that. And that leaves me with blessing Dean, which is my pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> um, this episode is really significant for him. And we, I think, just learn a lot about who he is as a person and all the layers that are involved in both the writing and also how Jensen portrays him, in my opinion. Um, yeah, Jensen's, Jensen's acting is incredible in this episode. Yeah. Dean in this episode goes through, you know, almost dying twice, trying to keep up his male bravado for Sam, which he doesn't need to do, but he feels like he does because he's been doing it his whole life. And um, I think you really see his vulnerability in this episode, his fear and kind of the pain that his lack of faith and doubt bring him in his life. Um, I think that's why he feels so connected with Layla as he kind of wishes that he could have her faith. Um, and I relate to that. <laughs> um, and yeah, I don't know. I just, I really feel for him in this episode, I think you know, he just got his brother back and he's been, he's, you know, he knows his dad isn't helping him even though he's dying and he, there he's carrying a lot. So just moving forward, I bless Dean. 
So thank you to all of my wonderful co-hosts for joining me today. Doing this roundtable format was really fun. And to our listeners, thank you for coming along for the ride. We wish you a peaceful road until we meet again. Next week, we will be discussing season one, episode 13, Route 666, through the theme of humility. A note to our listeners. This episode was recorded prior to our season three name change, where we went from Driver Picks the Podcast to Saving People, Queering Things. For all of our new social media platforms, visit queeringthingspodcast.com.